I got back on to my my mission and my purpose, which was which is bitches and hoes. Yes, absolutely. You know, Sorry, I had like, to. Like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Oh my god, great! And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Wait. Hi, I'm Veronica Jane, and welcome to This Isn't Me podcast. Ever found yourself in a moment where you look at your life and realize, this isn't me? Maybe it was you in the past, and it's not you anymore. Sharing powerful stories of breakthroughs and transformation. Practical and playful, scientific and spiritual. Right and wrong left at the door. It's a many sizes fit all situation. Full of imperfection and messiness. Sharing, asking questions with authentic vulnerable conversations. This isn't me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Isn't Me podcast. I'm Veronica Jane, and today I have Josh Steen. Is that your real name? Uh, yeah, Joshua Robert Hawkenstein. Oh, so, hello. Yeah. Ladies on Hinge, uh, one more time for us. Joshua Robert Hawkenstein. <laughs> Just before this, we were playing with the audio, and I was letting Josh hear what it sounds like through the headphones, and like the ASMR qualities of the audio so do you want to say your name with like even more growl here to just really get yourself going joshua robert (laughs) hawkenstein if we don't have enough women coming to the purposeful connections events that might seduce them hopefully what do i need to say so that men will come just um oh god i don't know what to say that's going to be funny that's appropriate (laughs) that's yeah exactly it's appropriate for this podcast Um, we're all about self-empowerment i just can't wait for you to come and for me to get an no, opportunity to look you in the eye and hold space for you. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it's authentic. That's the thing. But yeah, I don't talk dirty for just anybody. Not anymore. No. Not anymore. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. Like Although you- I don't hate the idea of like selling some sort of like sensual meditations or like hypnosis to help people kind of learn to get more comfortable with eroticism and sexual energy, specifically with themselves. I think that like sex, separating sexual energy from like the act itself can be a really powerful tool, mm. especially for people who can't kind of differentiate the two. I love that. Let's get back to that. Tell us yes. about you first before we get lost in the pod. Okay. Well, I, my name is Joshua Robert Hawkinson, <laughs> as we very well know. Uh, I am a chiropractor and life coach. I've lived in Brisbane for most of my life, except for a very short stint in Melbourne, and I'm just... A badass human. A badass human trying to live the best life I possibly can while confronting my own shadows and my own unconscious mind. And fucking up along the way, like the oh, rest of us. Absolutely, as you would very well know. Yeah. Like we had dinner together my... just before this and spoke authentically to some of our fuckery. And... Yeah. Let's get rid of that shit. Let's get rid of those old shadows. So yeah, cool. Tell us, um, are you happy? I always love to share how we connected, how we met in the world, so people get how you ended up here with me, sharing what isn't you and sharing what is you on the podcast. Yeah, well, um, the way I got into life coaching was I just wanted to figure out if there was more to life than what I was doing (laughs) because I had done all the right things, I guess you would say, is, you know, I studied hard in school, I went to university, I got my master's degree, I became a chiropractor, and... Then I was like, okay, I'm ready to start my life. Where am I supposed to start it? I'm like, okay, well, build a career. And so I built a chiropractic career and then I bought an apartment. I'm like, mortgages okay, are important. Mortgages are very important. <laughs> Apparently. You know? 
And I never really felt like an adult. Like, I just felt like someone pretending to be an adult. Yes, you never will. Yeah, it's just we're like, all faking it. We, we need an adultier adult around us. Seriously, all times. I, when I had that recognition of like, oh, we're all faking it. We're all just pretending. We're well, not pretending. We're sometimes, a lot of the time, a lot. We're all just figuring it out. Like yeah. the, no one's actually figured it out. There's no solution. Like there's no magic potion. There's no way to do life. You just dance your way through it and fuck it up along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes when you dance your way through it, you're gonna find you have different dance partners who help you with different dance moves. And I love that. Some dance partners last longer than others. Mm. Yeah. And once I kind of like built and built and built and I was just at a point where I was like, okay, I'm like at this point, where do I go from here? Do I just be a chiropractor for the next 50 years and then retire and that's it? Like, There you go. Where's, Nailed it. Yeah. Where's the... Probably get married, pop up some babies somewhere in there absolutely. to make society happy. Absolutely. To um, quote the conversation that we were having earlier this evening, it's like, where's the pebbles? Where's the sand? Right. So for those who don't know, there was, we had a conversation about, you know, life is a jar and you've got, you've got your large rocks and then you've got your smaller pebbles and then you've got your sand. And I'd filled my jar with a lot of rocks and I've gone, okay, like, where is the meaning in this? And mm. you know, by doing my own research, I've gone, okay, the meaning is in the pebbles and in the sand. Mm. And I couldn't figure out where it was. I, so I started to read. So the first two self-development books I did was How to Win Friends and Influence People by <laughs> Dale Carnegie. And, and did you make a lot of friends? I made more friends than if I hadn't have read it. I haven't read that. Does it speak to doing that in authenticity or is it coercive, yes. manipulative tactics? It is very authentic. So okay. it's basically about when you meet someone, you pick out something about them that they oh. clearly love and pay attention to and genuinely ask them about it. If you're actually curious. Yeah, you can't. So it's like, about building rapport. It's about building rapport, okay. exactly. And you let people talk about themselves. And when people talk about themselves, they get the idea that they like you. When mm. in reality, they're just... They feel safe. They feel... they're mirrored back. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't that interesting? Because so much of that's intuitive for many. And then for many, it's not. Or life hasn't given them opportunities to grow that skill set. That's something I've always been naturally very good at, I think. And almost to my own detriment. Because then I'd mirror someone back to them to be loved and like I would lose sight of myself I just reflect someone back to them so they felt loved and liked me and it was such a people-pleasing tactic and yeah. then I wouldn't actually be who I was because I was like well if I start shifting then they'd be like whoa and I'm like well but that's me and they're like no no go back to what you were doing before like I did a lot of people-pleasing in my past so it's so interesting now to see how I use it that rapport building and that reflection to make someone feel safe, to build rapport, especially in like yoga teacher training or um, coaching, like it's a great way to make people feel comfortable and safe and then become yourself within that frame too, right? Like once you have that connection, they feel safe. Like, and how do you do that in a way that's still you? Reflect them back to them in the ways that are still you. I had, I was the exact opposite of you is I had real trouble actually connecting and building rapport yeah. with people when I was younger. And I think that being in a private old boys school, it's very a competitive environment where everyone's kind of trying to one up each other. And then the only people you can actually be real with and connect with are your f actually very small core group of friends. Yeah. And so then when you go into university and the wider world and you're trying to create these actual genuine relationships with people, I found it very difficult because mm. I didn't have the skills to go, okay, how do I make these people like me? Right. Yeah, so because most of it had come from um, adversarialism. Okay. Um, 
And the thing that really helped me was actually becoming a chiropractor because speaking to multiple people a day, every day for the last four or five years has really helped me get into tune into how do I connect with people? Mm. You know, and oftentimes it's just really simple. It's how are you going? How are things with your friends, with your family, with your partner? Because I will have information about people. That's, I think that's kind of what, part of the thing I like about being a chiropractor is before I even meet someone, I'll already know things about them. I'll, I'll know they're, whether they're married or single, whether they've got kids, things like that, what their career is. So that's all very important factors when it comes to being a chiropractor. As in like finding connection points as well? Finding connection points, before, yes. But also their career might actually be a factor in what's causing them pain. Yeah. yeah. And just learning how to become a people person as a chiropractor has really helped me just develop into a life coach as well. I think working in anything in the service industry or um, in like a, 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 a modality that loves people and serves people or even in hospitality, anything that where you're like serving in some way actually forces you to build a lot of really great communication skills and like connection skills. Like the way I learned that one, I had some unsafe people in my life who I actually just had to learn. I became hypervigilant in my childhood and learned how to make people feel safe and calm them down when they didn't know how to calm themselves down. And so those are some skills that I can now use from a healthy place of like knowing who I am and staying sovereign in that. And then in working in retail, I learned so many incredible skills about how do you connect with people quickly? How do you make people like you um, for the sake of sale, right? And then it was like using all of those skills from a place of being authentic and integral with who I am has been the challenge of like, even with my coaching, I'm like, there's so many things I have to dance with and be like, wait, how do I be me in this? Like, how do I be of integrity in this too? So that it's not just to market something or sell something like if it's not integrous I'm not going to do it and dancing between what's that and what's me just afraid of my own greatness and like feeling like it's not true because I'm afraid of what's possible yeah absolutely because I thought that I would be able to get over my imposter syndrome in life coaching really easily yeah, totally. because just read a book on it. <laughs> yeah. well I'd already done it for chiropractic you know right. I'd already been through the why the hell are they coming to see me like why are they paying me all this money to fix them? I only just started. Why don't they go see my boss or why don't they go see someone else? And all I realized is that I know more than them. And a little I can, more is enough to offer. Exactly. A little more is enough to offer. Mm. And if I can turn and I can find someone who can help me learn more, I can then turn around and Totally help send it down the chain, right? Exactly. It's like send the elevator down. I also wonder too if there's an element of like, recognizing none of us know anything really in the grand scheme of all of human existence and all of what is known and to be known we know nothing and I think of all the people who have offered me something they know and I've been like fuck that just saved me so much time so much pain so much suffering thank you like to not share that I think is selfish and that's part of the illusion of disconnection I think that humans operate under like we separate ourselves and we have all this beautiful life to share and we pretend we don't and like, what if more and more people stepped into sharing just their life experience as knowledge? I think you'll agree with me when I say this. I have learned as much from my life coaching clients as they have learned from me. 100%. I come out of sessions being like, holy fuck. I either see something I already changed and I'm so grateful and that just asserted it. Or there's an area of life I've been kind of masking full 
stepping into full integrity or really taking that final step that I'm like, fuck, now I have to go and shift that in myself too. Or something that I didn't even see before that I see reflected in them. And I see myself coach them around and I'm like, oh, fuck, I can say that because I know I'm saying it to myself too. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes the sessions, they're not just for our clients, they're for us too. We're like, we're working through the same thing. They don't know that, but we know that. And ultimately I think there's an element of, like you said before, we might notice that bit more. We've taken that extra step. So we're showing them the step we've just taken or are in the midst of taking to invite them into as well. And that's like teaching the amount of times, like as a primary school teacher, the amount of times that I'm learning with them. And I just say that I'm like, I think I know what I do know is I know how to learn and I know how to grow so I can show people that. So with my students, I'll often be like, Hey, let's figure that out together. And so with coaching clients, the same, if I'm in the middle of that, I'll be like, that's huge. Thank you for asking that. Like, I'm still dancing with that myself. Let's figure it out together. Like let's go and fuck up in life and reflect back. And what I do know is this, let's go figure it out and come back and report back. What did we learn? Yeah, absolutely. Cause there's this ego arrogance of wanting to know everything or like somehow as a coach, we've like figured it out. Oh, absolutely. Like when yeah. I, when I did my first coaching course, I was like, I've come out of it and I've gone, yeah, I think I'm a fully evolved, fully realized human being. Now yeah. I don't have any I'm basically enlightened. Yeah, I don't have any traumas. I don't have any scars. I'm I'm 100% the Joshua Robert Hawkins team <laughs> that I was always meant to be. And this is me. Yeah. You're fucking levitating as you leave. Exactly. I thought that I was, you know, I'd reached a plane of kind of existence where it could only go up from here, that I would never go down and back up again. I know that it, during that course they were like, after you're done, you will have pits. You are yeah. going to fall into the pit. And... I've just thought to myself, no, I, I'm too perfect for pits. Mm. They might. They might. Yeah, they pits, might. Exactly. Like, that's them. I'm cooked now. I'm fully yeah, cooked. Absolutely. I'm fully realized human. Yeah. From there. Has that been true? That has been true. However, I thought it would be a very smooth road, even oh, though when cute. it comes to both my clients and my patients, I tell them sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. Totally. And I thought I was the exception to that rule. Adorbs. Oh, I know. Well, there's an element too of like, I remember even the processes we learned, I was like, oh, great. Tick. You know, like, it's like when you went, like, I, it was just so cute that the illusion that I was under of like, oh, I won't have to use those processes now. I've done them. And then constantly after being like, why is that emotion coming up again? Why is that self-limiting belief? And they were like, oh, did you? I remember asking our coaches, maybe it was in the second, like in master prac, but I remember saying to them, wait, so do you use these processes? And they were like, every day. And I was like, oh, I thought it was like when someone goes to therapy once and they're like, well, I'm fixed now. And you're like, oh, cute. No, life is endless and evolving and unlayering and unlearning. So it was really powerful for me to see how coming out of there, I'm like, oh, I have a toolkit now I can use for the rest of my life. It's not like I've built the house and now the house is permanently, you know, um, self-sustaining it's I've got the house and I have all the tools and now as the cracks begin the pipes burst I know how to repair them quickly and I know how to love the process of doing it and I know I can go where to buy more plaster when I need it to patch up holes and I have an amazing community of carpenters around me who will support me endlessly repairing the house and you know how to upgrade parts of the house as well you know how to go from just regular air conditioning to ducted air conditioning because sometimes regular air conditioning it breaks down and you just want ducted air conditioning throughout the whole house it's also like the doors in the house are now open i don't have all the doors closed so i can't move from one room to the house now i can move room three freely through the house yeah and you don't have any walls around that house anymore 
Oh, any of the God. any of the twelve walls that you used. To I think have. it was twelve hundred, wasn't it? No, oh, you joked that it was twelve hundred, but I think we got it down to like twelve. Do you want to share walls. that story? Because that was part of when we came out of our initial training, where I was like, "Well, I won't have any problems now," and then problems came up, and I had to call you, which was annoying. Well, let's okay, yeah. let's speak to how we well, met and yes. our initial impressions of each other, and yes. how we've come to where we're at now. Would you like to? And then you can Abs- share the story about the walls. Absolutely. Would you like to go first, or would you I like me to go? First? Yeah. Okay. Well. We met at NLP Prac in September, October September, of last yeah. year. And 2022, who knows when you're listening. So yeah, of 2022. Yeah, of 2022. I was like, hopefully you're listening to this in 3022 and our message is still relevant. We are. And I just, I remember spotting you from across the hall and... It's hard not to. She says <laughs> as she flicks her hair and stands in her beauty and empowered energy. Absolutely. And the first thing that drew me to you was the fact that you looked like a friend of mine. And you had like a very similar, like kind of, I don't want to say hippie aura to her, but you had, you had like to me a very carefree aura and I wanted to be around it. Oh yeah. And so I was like, I introduced myself to you and you were both like present with me, but not present at the same time. I could see that you wanted to interact with me, but at the same time you didn't want to interact. Yeah. I can share about why I couldn't kind of figure out where it was that I was going wrong because I was really trying to, and this was like less Yeah, because it was totally about you. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> it, it used to be that I thought everything was about me and what have I done wrong where she's interacting with me but then she's pushing me away but then she's interacting. That doesn't sound like me at all. Yeah, no, not at all. and my ex-partner. Yeah. <laughs> so you saw my pattern and... Yeah. And then after that we just kind of kept in touch and we kept talking and... What about in the room? Oh, in the room. It's really... I found it really difficult to actually think about it and process on it because I had a completely different experience where I trusted you completely and I wanted to do these exercises with you. Thanks. And I thought that you did too because you were, like, very serious. You were very business, like, let's get this done. Like, let's move through these I wanted to exercises learn and it, yeah. learn this stuff and... It wasn't until after prac that I kind of realized that there was a bit more complexity to all of it because there was a part of me that kind of triggered you mm-hmm. and I had no idea. So yeah, in the room, I think I brought in a lot of the way that room works is like whatever is there for you to deal with. That's like the edge of your conscious awareness comes into your awareness and you get to process and deal with a lot. So one of the big things I brought into the room was this deep anger, sadness, grief, shame, guilt from a relationship I had ended about six months prior. And I was, I went into that room still very guarded with men just generally. Cause I was like, I don't, I still lacked so much trust. And one of the big things I got through master crack was like this core of everything was trust. And the core of that was trust in self. And once I fully trusted myself, I could trust everyone because if they weren't trustworthy, I would feel it and I would see it and I would know and I would draw boundaries and I would walk away where needed to keep myself loving. And so there was an element of like not really wanting to connect with any males really in that room and looking for very grounded, safe men. So there was a few men in the room I did feel very safe with and I was happy to engage with. And even those, to some extent, I would push away out of fear of being seen. Um, so yeah, for you, for, I was just like, who is this little boy? What does he want? Like, I don't say this with love, but like, I'm aware that I am attractive and I'm aware that I have a beautiful, fun energy. And so then there's this fear element that comes. 
And I can discard a lot of that now. But at the time, that was still something that came up for me because I was self-protecting from a relationship where there was a lot of love initially and then fear came in and it got in the way. So I was just like in that room, a lot of like, what does this boy want? Yeah. Isn't it funny the stories we can tell ourselves, right? And for me, I was triggered, choosing to, choosing to be triggered by you, which is why I always was like, the people I was choosing to be triggered by, I was like, go work with them because there's something there that you see in them that you don't want to love in yourself or that you're not wanting to acknowledge it within your past. So I was like, great. The connection with you for me, seeing you evolve from, because I think also energetically, I detected that there was some boyish behaviors in you. Oh, definitely. 100%. And that's what I was energetically repulsed by, to be honest. Because I was like, I am so done with little boys. And the same way I was done with the little girl behaviors I was playing out. Like it wasn't this, like I somehow was better than you. It was just, I was easier to see in someone else, right? So in that course, one of the powerful things they teach you is like perceptions projection, or as the Buddhists would say, like as within, so without. So you look at this other person and you go, why am I irritated by them? How is that me? So yeah, it was powerful with the interactions with you because I could be like, well, if he's being a little boy, where are you mad at yourself for still acting like a little girl? Pardon me. So that was really powerful because I also got to, call you out on the shit that was making you act like a little boy. And my respect for you actually grew so much after the course as the, in the ways that we shared within the community and kept going after, because I heard you own some of your shitty little boy behaviors, the ways that you were keeping yourself small and childlike and not stepping into your masculinity, not stepping into who you are as a human, who you are as a leader, who you are as a coach, like just all the fucking power you can have in the world and the way you can love in the world. So I wasn't that interested in having friendship with you in other than like a loving, amicable, I can cheer you on in the world way until I got to watch some of that transition. So I'd love to hear about your time after our coaching course together and what self-development you've been doing and how you've become even more grounded in who you are. I'd like to tell you after we've finished with actually talking about the, um, the walls procedure that we did. Sure. Do so, say whatever yeah. and whatever way feels good. So after Prac we were a part of a container that just helped us kind of continue on with the improvements that we'd made mm -hmm. after the course. And we would come to the group with problems that we had, like, oh, I'm having an issue with this. Is anyone there to talk to me and help me out with that? Yeah. And you came up with, I'm having an issue. Can anyone talk to me about it? And I think you were, I think it was, it was a parts issue that you were having. So there was part of you that you didn't like that something was going on with yeah. and I was like absolutely let's jump on a call let's do it and we were doing parts I think before I mean, that it was like anybody else no. anybody else anybody else yeah. fine is him it, yeah is there anyone else who wants to do it okay <laughs> fine Josh I think I actually had to message you separately because Probably. you didn't actually reply to me I in the group because so, I was still like oh I don't want to deal with this little boy and we're on the call and for anyone that, of you that don't know parts, it's about getting someone like higher and higher in their purpose. So moving through the reasons why they have two separate parts of themselves that are separate and they are not together and joined in purpose. Yeah. Another way you could frame that possibly is just like finding the connection points between the ways that we're divided in our desires. Like, or the, yeah, it's like in a mediation when you yeah. triangulate, like what is the shared goal of the two sides of ourself or yeah. that's that's a much better way to frame it <laughs> and one of the things that i was starting to get a little bit frustrated with veronica about was the fact no wait that you're not going to say i'm stubborn are you oh i would <laughs> never i would never say anything like that and what she was doing was we'd get to a certain point and then she'd loop right back so i was the way i kind of oh, pictured so in my head was 
we would get to a certain depth on your unconscious mind and then you would just loop right back to the surface again and we'd have to go all the way through it again. And by the third time... Do you want to know that's cool about that? So yeah. sometimes I do it knowingly. I call it my inner brat. Yeah. Like I see it and I'm like, I don't know for what purpose I'm doing this. I know it's self-protective, but I don't know what's on the other side and it's uncomfortable, so I'm going to keep doing it. And sometimes I believe my own lies and I'm just like, the loop is invisible to me. Yeah. And, I, and that one I knew I was doing it. Yeah. I was like, I'm being bratty, and yeah. also part of it's because I don't want you to be good at this, <laughs> and I don't want you to help me because then I'm right, yeah. and I loved being right. And I got, I, I chose to get off, to get frustrated with it, and I said, no, you don't. But it was healthy frustration. Yes, like it you was were very healthy. grounded in it. You weren't yeah. like reactive. You weren't accusatory. You were just like, I see what you're doing. Yeah, and I, I tried to call you out on it, and you're like, no, that's not it, and you kind of like oh, you opened your eyes. I just feel eyes. like my boyfriend and my ex husband yeah. was sitting there listening and be like, oh my god, someone, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you opened your eyes, you put your hands down, you're like, oh, I don't think this is really working. And we chatted a little bit more and I've gone, okay, there's there's a block here that I can't <laughs> This fix is so great parts. to me because like so many of my clients have reflected this back to me where they're like, this isn't going to work or this is stupid. And I'm like, babe, I hear you. I've yeah. been there. Like <laughs> I've fought this so hard. Yeah. And like, guess what? I'm here for it. Brat out all you want because baby girl, we're going to keep going. Yeah, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And I've gone, okay, how can I come at this from a different angle? Mm that it was actually a hypnotherapy technique. Mm. However, I was like, okay, what if I were to get her to kind of, I could see that she'd put up walls and mm. I was trying to get her to pull them down again. So I got you to sit in your own mind with mm. your eyes closed yeah. and I asked you to conjure up all the walls that you had around you. Which and were none, obviously, obviously. I'm free. Yeah, you're, you're totally free. There was, <laughs> there was zero walls and I was like, damn, I'm so frustrated with this. She's perfect, obviously. <laughs> And when Thank I, you for humoring me. And when I asked her, like, how many walls she had around her, she was like, oh, just 12,000. And I've gone, really, 12,000? And you said, no, I've only got 12. And I've gone, excellent, we can work with 12. And what I had her do was I had her stand up in her mind and walk towards the wall. Yeah. As she walked towards the wall, a door appeared and she was to go through it. Mm. We repeated that multiple times until we got to the sixth wall. And I was like, before you go through that sixth wall, I want you to turn around and look at that very first spot. Mm. And can you see the walls that you've walked through to get from that spot to here? And she actually said no. And I was like, well, where are they? And she's gone, oh, they're gone. And I've been like, actually, this is amazing. This is working. Oh, I've, I've, I've found something here. Mm. And I've told you to turn around face the sixth wall and you're like, I can't do that. It's not there anymore. I've gone, excellent. Let's go to the seventh. That's not there either. I'm like, are there any walls anymore? And she's like, no. At which point I start crying. Yes. You started crying and I think it's because you realised that these walls that you'd created, you could easily have at any point removed them and not had to, because it's great to protect yourself, mm. but it also stopped you from feeling anything. Connecting. Yeah, from connecting. It was multifold, if you, if I can share. Yes. It was one, because as soon as I said 12,000, so that's, I use humor to bring levity. So I knew the answer wasn't 12,000. And yet I didn't know how to answer authentically. And so I was like, just say something, you know, trust your unconscious mindset. It's like 12,000. What I'm saying is I have way more up than necessary. And you, again, people who know how to work with me, it doesn't take long if you're open and, and you're playful. Like working with me is so much fun. 
because I know I'm being a brat and I'll own it, right? So I'm saying sarcastically, like, I know this isn't true. And then you're like, okay, well, how many? I'm like, well, 12. And in that knowing even that's made up, as soon as I said 12,000 or 1,200 or whatever it was, every number I said after that, I realized, well, that's constructed too and use it as a visual aid to help you get through your shit. Like you said, hypnotic language and also a visual aid to help you see a metaphor of where you're creating your own problems. So I knew the walls were that. And then when you started having me break through them, like I knew that 12 was made up. And at one point, at the point you had me turn around, I realized all the walls before were made up because I was able to walk through them. So everything there after was made up as well. So, and like you said it, I realized like all of this was self-protective. All of this was made up. All of this was to be right because being right put me in a dominant position, which made me feel safe. And then this deep grief of like, how many ways have I disconnected with people to protect myself that when ultimately all I ever wanted was love and all the ways that I thought I was protecting myself were actually hurting me and keeping me from connecting. And it was this deep sorrow of like, how much longer are you going to do that? Like you actually don't have to keep doing that anymore. And irritating because I knew then in that moment too, like even the disconnection between us was something I'd created to keep myself safe and that I could actually witness and acknowledge the, like, the love that this man was offering in his offering me coaching out of the kindness of his own heart. And you're bratting out and for what purpose? Like literally to protect yourself. And he's just shown you all your self-protection that actually just keeps you disconnected and it's made up. And it was this beautiful, like if I acknowledge in this moment he's right, that's where the connection comes. And letting me be wrong meant that I felt seen. All I ever wanted was to be seen and heard and loved. And I'm the only problem in my own way. Like, that's the power of NLP, right? Yeah. Of visualization, of submodalities, of hypnotic language, of just helping people see a lot of their stuckness is the way they think. And they've constructed their own cage. And they've created their own suffering from a small or a large pain. And that they actually get to let it go. Endlessly. I think that was the first time we ever really truly connected. That was as, the first time I saw people. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the first time I ever saw you cry. So I saw you cry in the room. Yeah. So I think that's the first time I ever saw you cry tears of like sadness and joy. Was, mm, again, my perception of in the room was your tears. They were a bit more of like frustration yes. and almost like punishment. Oh, a hundred percent self-deprecation so, and yeah, these tears felt genuine and real, and I loved being in the presence of them. Yeah, thanks. And after that, you sent me a message, and you you just said, "I didn't want to do this with you. I didn't trust you, uh, and now I trust you. And thank you so much for that beautiful experience. And it made me tear up a little bit. No, kitty. Because first of all, I was like, "Wait, she didn't trust me or like me." Mm. And because I, I hadn't acknowledged it sooner because I knew it wasn't about you and it was about me. So speaking to it would have just been like, I think you used a phrase before that I can't remember. You were speaking to someone else. Self-soothing? Yes. It would have been about me like making myself feel better than you. And I'm like, you're not better than him. You're playing a game with yourself. So why reflect that to him when you know it's your own shit? Like it's your own projection. But yeah, once I finally saw it, it felt like the right time to share it because it was like, hey, here's again another illusion I created to stay separate and I can share with you like... I've been yeah. pretending that you're not safe and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was also a growth moment for me as well because I realized that 
um, sometimes my um, people's perception of me wasn't always what I wanted it to be mm. and that's okay yeah. as long as I'm genuinely being like the best version of myself if they take it a way that I don't intend it to be taken then that's usually their own issues coming up well I wonder I still dance with this I wonder if that's ever true or if it's always both of you so like again what irritated in me was the ways you didn't stand in your integrity the way I could tell you wanted one thing and were living another thing. Mm. And, what? No, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. Which mm. one is which one's, the, which one's the mute button? Which, what do you want? Yeah. The clapping? The clapping. I'm perfect. <laughs> and I was, because you reminded me of men in my life who had who'd said one thing and done another, I was just like, I don't have time for this. I'm so done. I love men so much. I want them to stand in who they are. I want them to be who they actually get to be. Not this hurt child. And I know that's not their fault. I, I know that life has been so hard on so many of us and that we've all created our own, you know, like stories and beliefs. And yet it was like, how do I empower men to be something better? Because I spent years enabling men to stay small and being part of how they stayed small. And I was like, I'm done. And I don't know how to do that yet but I'm not going to dance with this little boy and let him stay a little boy. And until I can figure out how to love him from like my own strength and my own tenderness, which took me a long time to learn. Um, and always dancing with that is like, I just knew I, I didn't want to be around people like that because I was scared I would enable them and validate their shitty behaviors. And like, that's, that was love what you did. That was so loving to honor that and offer that and stand there with me in that. And I was like, that's beautiful. And so now you know that's possible for him. And when he's anything less than that, you know he would invite you to call you out, him out on that. And that's when I was like, okay, I'll, I actually want to have it. This is a loving, safe friendship for me to have now. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I love so when... Hope, I hope that I exude a lot less little boy energy now. Well, that's what I was saying to you, and I'd love to talk about that, and if, depending on how much you want to share, like... So part of, from there often, I was invited a friendship with you in my mind, right? And I was like, okay, I get, also I can see he's not trying to seduce me. He's not trying to have that kind of intimate sexual relationship with me. We both have enough awareness to be able to have this beautiful platonic friendship of deep, deep love, right? So I was like, great. So how do I keep opening and being vulnerable in those ways? Because again, that instance was another offering of me being like, hey, you showed him your softness, your femininity, your vulnerability. He showed up more in love. So the reminder again and again, like express desire, soften, be vulnerable. Um, so what is the work that you've done? Because I only said to you again the other day, like honestly, the man that you are now is so different to the man you were six months ago. Like actually like being around you. I had a breakdown the other day and I called you and I was like, can you come so I can just cry and scream and fall apart and you can just like hold me and like tickle my back. And by the time you got here, I was like, I don't actually need you to do that, but I do need some listening and I do need a big hug. So are you available for that? And you were like, yeah. So what do you think's changed that's allowed me to go from seeing, obviously I've cleared up my own shit too, which is a large part of it. From your side though, like I think we attract and continually elevate with the people we are in relationship of any kind with. So what have you done that makes me see you as such a more safe, grounded, loving, and for lack of a better word, like masculine in your, in your masculine energy so that I can be my feminine and I feel like I know how to be my masculine with you too because I know, I know you know how to be in your feminine. Well, I've always been really good at being in my feminine because I've always kind of been more, I've always felt safer around 
women. Can you share your interpretation of what it means to be in your feminine too, for those who aren't comfortable with that language or don't know how to make sense of it? Because I'd love to hear a male speak to that. Absolutely. Um, I love sitting down and talking about feelings and um, about different situations and seeing people's sides, like seeing like the different facets of the same situation. And I really just enjoy um, just kind of like the calmness and sometimes the chaoticness of feminine energy. And it, it almost feels safer than um, being in my masculine energy, which I always found was really kind of ground in, in kind of aggression and rage. Well, especially if you're looking at the three words I heard you say around femininity were chaos, creativity, and feelings. Like those are yeah. the ones that stood out for me, like creative. Um, those are beautiful expressions of what it is to be a human and everyone gets to have those. And if you were seeing then the ways you described what, how you saw masculinity were the shadow aspects of them, the more negative aspects of like that aren't comfortable or maybe they aren't, even, aren't love and aren't serving. So if you saw the beautiful, healthy, healing, grounded parts of femininity and then saw the dangerous, ungrounded shadow sides of masculinity, of course you would be scared of them. And I had the same story with my femininity. I could see all the beautiful parts of masculinity and I only saw the toxic shadow parts of femininity yeah and I think that comes back to me going to an all boys school not knocking single sex education institutions however it was very much a place where masculinity was what girls are you talking to what sports are you playing are you getting into fights things like that and I definitely wasn't that I was instantly I spent most of my time in the library. I was definitely not a very, the most athletic kid. I did play sports. However, I, I much preferred being in the air conditioning than on the playground. Yeah, I hear that, but and it's Queensland, so. Yeah, Queensland. <laughs> the libraries were the only things that were air conditioned. Because you figured out that life hack early. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so as I kind of grew up, the only way I was able to express like what I thought was being a man was on the soccer field. Yeah, right. And I, as I got a lot older and I was playing soccer at like 15, 16, 17, like I tried to like build this picture of me as like this tough guy. And so I was always like picking fights with people on the field and I was always kind of, there's a fine line between what a good tackle and what a foul is on the soccer field. I just dealt with that today with some students, I hear you. <laughs> and I, I flirted with that line very much because that's the only way I could like get in touch with like my masculine side. and. Sure. It wasn't until I started doing boxing and jujitsu that I started to come into contact with my masculine side in a much cleaner, purer way because mm -hmm. I was able to get my aggression out in a way where either I was taking it out on a punching bag or my coach's mitts or when I was in jujitsu, I was rolling with someone who was all, also consenting and then as soon as like they withdrew consent, I was able to stop. There was no like... The boundaries were clearly drawn yeah. and I could like get my masculinity out there. And one of the things that I realized in Prac was, okay, there are a lot of amazing masculine men here who are, you know, safe, non-toxic, strong, mm. masculine men. How do I unlock that same masculinity in myself? And from the language of masculine and feminine, and that's what I'm comfortable using now. But in the past, when I was playing with what was gender in our society, that language triggered me to shh, like crazy. Because I was like, fuck you, tell me how to be a woman. Fuck you, how to tell me how to be a man. 
And once I've made sense of the fact that it has nothing to do with the sex that, of the body you're born in or that even the gender you choose, it's words that are coming from ancient traditions and Eastern philosophies around the yin and the yang, around the doing and the non-doing, just about polarity, right? And energetics and magnetism. So when you look at the universal laws, there's other ways of exploring that. So everyone gets to be all sides of this pendulum, right? All elements of themselves. Like once you integrate endlessly, you get more and more comfortable with your polarity. The fact that we are all light and dark family and we're all light and dark mask. And they explore what the qualities of each of those things are. And within light and dark mask, light and dark femme is also what is like shadow and light or toxic and non-toxic would be like healthy or grounded and ungrounded, whatever language you want to use. So what it sounds like you're exploring is like you knew how to do the healthy sides of femininity and you didn't know how to do the healthy sides of masculinity. And that's so great in so many ways because if you know what not to do, then you can figure out what to do. Yes. And one of the first things that I did was I looked around and I've gone, where is a tribe of masculine men that I can connect with that can hold me to that higher projection? And sometimes your tribe doesn't actually have to be a physical tribe. It can be people that you admire from afar. Mm. So it's like, what would this person do? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I really grabbed in the NLP perspective is like, who and what can you model, right? So finding people that you want to emulate and building... like allowing parts of yourself to come out because you see qualities in others that you want in yourself, right? It's a great way to start that. And by consuming their content and watching it from afar and then having some conversations with some of them, like I've had some good conversations with Travis. Yeah, Um, he's a beautiful man. I really would love to spend more time with him because he is such an inspiring man. I would love to do one of the the weekend getaways Mm. that he has in the future. Yeah, men that are able to communicate their feelings and their values in grounded ways. Yeah. And the main qualities that I've found for like healthy grounded masculinity that I've started to emulate over the last several months, which is where you've noticed the really big yes, changes that's in what me, we're talking about. Yeah. is good quality communication, like being able to communicate your own emotions and your own intentions and being able to understand the emotions and intentions of other people around you. Mm. Uh, Being honest and being truthful in your interactions with people and pushing yourself as hard as you can with love because you can push yourself really hard with hatred and self-aggression. Yes. So being able to, Find where your limits are and try to push slightly beyond them because you want to see how oh, far you, want you to get can uncomfortable. go. Yes, trying to see how far you can go without um, without breaking down with love is so much more powerful and potent than basically trying to push yourself until your body's broken and you can't do it anymore. What? It's so much more sustainable. What? Shockingly, right? Huh? Yeah. And I think there is a tendency for men, and most likely women, you'll be able to speak to this, in that when we realise that we can do better, there is this push to Mm. want to cram every second of our waking days with ways to make us better. I Literally, I'm talking to one of my friends about that now. He's like, I just need a break from (laughs) self-improvement. And I was like, oh, I hear you. I'm like, well, then we need to look at more sustainable ways to do it because it shouldn't feel so hard. Absolutely. It's as we realize what is capable 
or what is possible for us yeah. and we try to make all the changes all in one go or, or at the, the same opposite. time like it's a fight response right yeah so the opposite is to run the other way or to freeze and be like i don't know i'm overwhelmed i don't know i'm overwhelmed yeah. i can't make any of these changes I don't know. Yeah. nothing's possible and so what i've had to do is i've had to fight that urge because i know so many men have done the same thing and then mm -hmm. we just get to a certain point we'll be able to do it for like six months where we're just cramming our lives full of everything and everything and eventually we just crash in bed read every book listen to every podcast go to every workshop yeah go to every, do every workout you know join do every physical hobby you can and, and then, then you're just doing self-growth in extreme yes aggression and it's about just slowly adding those things in and so now i've gotten to the point where i can do multiple gym workouts a week on top of jujitsu yeah. on top of boxing on top of a swim session on top of a run session mm -hmm. and then still have time to time and energy to be able to grow my business and socialize with the people that I love and read and read. I love reading and play. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And go on a podcast. Absolutely. Have dinner with an amazing woman. Oh, <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. And I wonder if you'd speak to some of the vulnerable elements of that. Like, where can you look at yourself and go, you know, I'm coaching and yeah, I'm messy. And you speak to, what was one of the language sets you used there? It was something about taking action, something about, I mm, can't remember the exact words you used, basically acknowledging how you can keep growing. Yeah, keep growing without, um, while also acknowledging that there are pitfalls yeah, so can you speak overcome. to some of the pits that you think in the past you let yourself hang out in and feel sorry for yourself longer in that I smelled all over you or that you lost respect for yourself in or um, like whatever you're happy to share. Obviously, you know, I'm, there's a particular area that I think would be valuable to hear you speak to and yeah, you get to speak to whatever. Absolutely. It, it's one that's appeared so many times and I've tried to fix it in indirect ways. Yeah. It, it is around my dating life in that Previously, I had experienced rejection and rather than you know, working to improve myself in being okay with rejection and um, improving myself in, myself in healthy ways, I was like, okay, she, didn't, she said no because I wasn't attractive enough, I wasn't muscular slash mm -hmm. fit enough, I wasn't wealthy enough. So I was like, okay, I've got to improve those three things. Mm -hmm. So I worked on improving my clothing and hairstyles and that again that is very valuable absolutely yeah, because right. as you feel out on the outside you can feel on the inside and vice versa ideally the other way around ideally and, the other way around well i don't even know if that's true actually dance however you want to i think it's about for what purpose you're doing it like if you're just changing the outside and you're not changing the inside that's one thing but sometimes changing something in your external world reminds you of how great you are on the inside so i actually take back what i said and then i worked on making money by being a chiropractor and then I started working out at the gym and, and then the woman of your dreams came into your life and you guys are married and having an amazing life right yeah now. absolutely I am in a multi-million dollar home with a wife and my 12 children 12 yeah cheaper by the dozen story going on that's here. how many walls I had up that sounds dangerous <laughs> that's very dangerous Oof, yeah, that my name is Steve Martin oh lord hi Steve <laughs> lovely to meet you uh no, I am currently single, although I have completed a lot of other life goals. Yeah. Um, so when you ticked all those amazing life boxes. Yeah. I realized that, like, even though I'd done all these things, I still wasn't getting, 
you know, kind of the perceived results that I thought I would get. Yeah. The results. Funny the, that. Yeah, the results that I was told by other people that I would get. Yeah. And I've gone, okay, where else can I improve? And it was coming from a place of, like, I'm not good enough. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, I can improve my relationships with people in general because my relationships with people, specifically women, were not the greatest. Stepping into my masculine has helped me immensely with this. I had convinced myself that the only way for me to attract and keep a partner was by being like a non-aggressive, non-confrontational kind Mm. of like yes man kind um, (laughs) because... I'd become great friends with women by being in my feminine. Like I had... Those aren't even the healthy qualities of femininity, yeah, I know. right? Yeah. But I hear you because I've watched that in men recently who have, you know, lived in ways that weren't serving them. It's a dance, right? And it's like, how do you invite all of those qualities into you? It's not a gender... No matter your gender expression. Yeah, how can I fluidly move between like the... Yeah. Uh, the feminine qualities and the masculine qualities yeah. of myself and by... And invite all parts of self too, right? Yes. And by being more comfortable and playing in my masculine, my grounded masculine more, I have started to cultivate relationships with people in a way that is more fulfilling. Yes, and queen. Because they're more fulfilling, I find that like more people want to be around me because I'm able to be more of myself in more situations. Because a lot of people go, oh, no, that's just being like, that's just mirroring other people's behavior. And it's, if you're doing it genuinely as a part of yourself, yes. if you're able to like kind of play in those different parts of yourself. It's that flexibility of behavior. Exactly. It's about being able to be a million different people who are also one person. Hmm. That's the way or I see it. Or be in my one head. person who has a million different elements of themselves or a million different qualities within themselves. A million different facets, shining bright like a diamond. Like a diamond. So I love that. Would you be willing to share some examples? Because what are the changes that people listening are going like, great, I want to get more grounded. I want to be more, I want to dance in the polarities of what is yin and yang and mask and femme, whatever. How? Can you give some examples of how you've created that practically in your life? So the first thing I did was I created a timetable for myself. That's not something I'd ever done. And it's very masculine in that it's very rigid it's very logical so then you build trust with yourself yes i'm able to go okay i've said i'm going to wake up at 5 30 in the morning and i have mm. and i said i'm going to go to the gym that's self-love baby that i'm self-love. posting a lot about self-love people have been asking me like how i'm like start with self-trust yeah like if you don't trust yourself if you don't do what you say you're going to do you lose trust for yourself when you don't trust someone you don't love them and you do you love them in the sense of i love you but the love is lost between you because love is safe and if you don't trust yourself, are you safe with yourself? Yeah, you absolutely aren't. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't trust yourself, then you can't trust anyone. So it's like this little kid in each of us that's like, but mom, dad said, you know, when your parents broke a promise to you when you were little and then you felt like, ah, but you said. It's like we do that to ourselves all the time. And then you feel unloved from yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You, there's this like unworthiness that plays into it. And it's not a fun thing at all. So, yeah, preach. And then I started having better conversations with my friends. I started holding, once I started holding myself accountable, 
I started also holding my friends accountable to their highest projection, the way that I saw them. I love the way you said, once I started holding myself, it's like, start with self. Yes. Because it's so easy to sit there and call other people out on their shit, right? Absolutely. And I think that in itself is toxic. Like if you've, (sighs) if you're smart enough to be able to see where you're falling short and you're not working on it. And then you think that you can sit on top of your white horse and call other people out on their behavior. It's way more fun. It's way more fun. <laughs> For only so long. Yeah, you don't you don't have to go into your own little pit. Oh, you can pretend you're better than everyone. Absolutely. However, you're never going to grow as a no. person if you don't do that. And I'm joking, and yet there is an element of often it's it's it, you don't see it in yourself. No. So that's why I love that invitation of like perceptions, projections. So if you're seeing shit in other people. And what if you imagined that that was in you and looked for an example of that? How is that me? Where else is this true in my life? Because that just makes it all that playing and pretending out there where you're blaming and complaining. It invites it all to come back home so you actually can deal with it within yourself first. Because then you'll find you're not drawn to people who have those qualities or they just don't automatically shift or they leave your life because you're like, I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. I guess an example of the second one was a friend of mine was talking about a relationship that they were in that wasn't serving them it was very up and down it was very hot and cold um that person was involved and then they were distant Mm. and i've i got really frustrated with them because i've just gone how can you see that this relationship isn't serving you like this person is doing these things to you as soon as i said that to them i've just gone how am i perpetuating that within myself right and it has, I've been perpetuating it by just having casual relationships with mm. people, even though I keep telling myself and everyone else that I want a committed long-term relationship. Mm. And as soon as I saw that, I've gone, okay, I have, I have to uh, cut all the casual stuff out and I have to just focus on myself and focus on my goal of creating a life with someone. So you berated yourself, made yourself feel like shit, sat in a bunch of guilt and shame, self-flatulated, right? No, I did not. What? Yeah, Isn't that how we grow? No, it absolutely isn't. Fuck! It's loving yourself and knowing that you can do better. Mm. And so I did that, and I did that for a good, like, four or five months. And then I got kind of tired of being single and not connecting Mm. and so I went back to having casual relationships again. So then you self-flagellated, felt really guilty, ashamed, were angry at yourself and just hid from your shit, right? For a little while, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. For a good like couple of months. And then when you were ready to change, you made sure to make yourself feel really guilty and really shitty because that's how you change, right? No. That's not how you change at all. Damn it. Is this what I was doing wrong for 30 something years? Yes, that is what I was doing wrong. I had self-flagellated, I'd gone, okay, I've been in my shit. Now I need to get out of it. Thank you for this period of growth because even when you go into your pit, your pit is a oh. it is a growth opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've gone, okay. And you get all covered in war wounds and like scars so you come out looking fierce. Absolutely. And you dig yourself out of your pit and you say thank you for putting yourself there because putting yourself in those positions while not optimal uh, I think it is optimal. Doesn't feel efficient. Doesn't. No, it definitely isn't efficient. Um, and yet, it's like it feels. I'm doing this with my hands, like an upward yeah. wave where it goes down Absolutely. in between. Like I think you have to because it's like when you think about, like it's it's where you build the skills. I wonder if there's anyone who's truly continually, endlessly evolving who's not going through. I think that is what 
the equation of growth and learning is like that point where it feels like a pit and the pit is simply the uncertainty and the newness and, and the unfamiliar, unfamiliarity. That's my frame at the moment. And I love that. Uh, one of the things that you've managed to do throughout this conversation is just like eloquently create new ways for me to view my points. So the I'm other very Josh grateful I interviewed that. said the same thing. He's like, <laughs> you just take what I said and you say it back to me in different language so I get a new way of seeing what I think I already think. Yeah. And I was like, yay, maybe that's my gift. And it's amazing because I think that I'm saying it well and then you turn around and you say it in a way that makes me understand what I'm trying to say even better. Wow, thank you. Thanks. I'm You're so very grateful. welcome. That gave me a beautiful, smushy feeling. Yeah, I could just see your whole face light up. It, yeah, was, it like, was a gorgeous oh, yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> and so going back to uh, bringing myself back out of that pit is I got back on to my, my mission and my purpose, which was, which is... Bitches and hoes? Yes, absolutely. You know, Sorry, as I like, do. Like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Oh my God. Great. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> But that, that would be a fantastic place to end that. However, I don't think that's the kind of lesson that we want to impart on our, well, is it our true? listeners. Definitely not. Thank you for letting me continually divert. That's all to right. To play and enjoy the whole process. And then I'll continue to lead the conversation back to get it, son. The, the main path. And I was able to get myself back onto that path where I was on my mission and my purpose once again. And I think the important part was that I actually had a mission and a purpose because when we first start trying to change ourselves is that we're kind of running away from what we don't want to be yeah. rather than setting a goal on this is what I want to be. Yeah. You need both. You need to know where you're running from and where you're running to. And so when you do fall into the pit like I did where I fell back into casual relationships that didn't really mean anything, um, I was able to go, okay, I don't want this anymore. Where was I going and how can I get back to that? Lovingly removed myself from them and I focused more on what I wanted out of life, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so now you've never been tempted again, right? Oh, of course, absolutely. I'm a monk, and I'm a rock, I'm an island. Both of us knew saving our energy towards creating the life we wanted made the most sense, and yet the humanity of like being in an animal body and being like, it feels good to be touched. Sex is a beautiful way to connect with another person. And it's only so deep. And it, with all the other elements of the heart connection and the mind connection and the soul connection, sex is an amazing portal to connect with someone. And if it's the only one, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like if you're not actually connected to someone's mind and heart, the type of sex you have is so different. And yet in the moment, it feels so friggin' good. And I set a commitment to myself numerous times throughout the last year to being much more conscious with the way I engaged. Times I was celibate and at other times I was like hey if I see the potential of someone as a partner I'll engage with them and that's where I'm at now and I, I want to do that after a much longer time than I would have in the past so all those like feel-good hormones don't come in the way and have me be like yep totally the man I want to do life with absolutely could be the father of my children like I did with my ex-partner who like right away at the beginning I was like no way and then the sex was so good that I was like maybe <laughs> and then the sex was so good that I was like definitely and then life fell apart around it and I was like maybe you shouldn't get distracted by dick <laughs>
I'm like, a six-pack only goes so far. Integrity is actually sexier than any washboard abs and even the most delicious. Absolutely. People who are living congruently with their goals and values are so much more attractive than people who say one thing and do another. And when they fuck up, they just take personal responsibility endlessly. Yes. So yeah, that to me is like, yes, living in alignment, of course. And yet we're all out of alignment. Like we dance, right? I'm making this, like if life is a journey and we're on this path and let's say there's one more most aligned path, you're going to weave on either side. You're going to hit the edges and bounce back. And it's when people pretend and hide their stuff that it falls apart. It's like, I want to see your shadow. I want to hear your fuckery. I want to hold you through it. And I want to grow together. Yeah. Just stop hiding. If you can't turn into your shadow, then you can't be fully present with the person that you're with. Or yourself. Yeah. So There's a, a saying that a lot of people hate and is that you can't love someone until you love yourself. And, and so many people are like, no, that means like you can't be loved until you love yourself. And it's... It's not true. It's that people can love you even when you don't love yourself. However, if you want a committed, long-term relationship with friends and family that is whole and complete and 100% open, so you need to be... Like unconditional? Yeah, unconditional. You need to be open with all facets of yourself, even the ones that you used to try and hide from. One of the ways that I've had that, one, I think it's one or two words shifts that feels more true to me, is you can only love someone to the depths at which you love yourself. Yes. So yeah, you can always love someone. But like, what I thought was love when I got married, (laughs) adorable. What I thought was love with my (laughs) ex-partner, like what I see as, and feel energetically, like actually can feel the difference, is that the power dynamics are done. You play with power for fun, sure. But like there's no more dominance and control. There's no more manipulation and coercion because you actually just show up authentically as yourself. You don't have to hide. And every time you feel attention from inauthenticity and out of integrity, you own it. You fall apart together and you come back into integrity with yourself and with each other. And then you go again. Because yeah, you're right. Like you, It is about go and love yourself. Like Whatever depth you know and love yourself is the depth at which you can know and love a partner or a friend or a family member. And going at it from a slightly different angle, and to quote the great philosopher, the comedian uh, Daniel Sloss, oh. he said in one of his comedy specials that if you only love yourself 20% of your maximum amount of loving, then if someone comes along and they love 30, 40, 50% of you, you are going to turn around and go, wow, they love me so much. Because in comparison to how much you love yourself, they're going to love you so seemingly so much more. However, they're not really someone that actually fully loves and cares about you. They love you enough to want to stick around and that can create like very turbulent relationships. And when you can love yourself like 80, 90% and then keep working on that, if someone comes around and they only love 50% of you, you are strong enough in yourself to go no, you either love all of me or you're not going to be a part of my life. So say we love ourselves 20%. As soon as someone loves us 30, 35, I think you said, then is another meaning of that. Like, so suddenly we feel like we need them. We become codependent because they see our greatness more than we even see it ourselves. And suddenly 
we need their love because they love us and see things in ourselves we don't even see and love in ourselves. Yes. And also, they only see like slightly more than you do. However, once you elevate yourself to the point where you love 80, 90, 95, 99% of yourself, and then someone comes along and goes, I can only really tolerate 40% of yourself, you are going to have the strength to say, well, that's not good enough. You either, you either like work through your own stuff and meet me at my level, or that's you don't get to be in my life in any capacity. Love that. Then the standard for which you would allow others to love you at becomes so high because they have to love you more than you love yourself or the same because you're like, well, I treat myself so great. Why would I let the standard of behavior be anything less? Exactly. And if you believe that you love yourself 90% and you're willing to accept a 70% love from someone... You just aren't. I don't think you are. No, you aren't. You don't love unless yourself you're 90%. In like a sa- yeah, unless you're in yeah. a savior complex and you're just like, I don't... I think there's an element of I'm pretending to love myself, but you love yeah. me enough to compensate for the lack of love I actually Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Like, if you love yourself enough, you don't have to accept any kind of compromise. There's a difference between loving yourself fully and having your walls up and not accepting any yeah. kind of negatives from another person. Because people have their own stuff oh, that they're working through. you don't have to through. like everything about a person. Absolutely. You don't even have to accept all of their behaviors you can like you need to have boundaries it doesn't unconditional love isn't about unboundary love you need boundaries so you can love someone without conditions like there's an element of standing in to love you i need you to acknowledge and take responsibility for certain behaviors and make some changes to the way that you're being to actually love yourself and meet more when i started posting regularly and i'd gotten rid of all the casual relationships and everything like that and I was feeling really good about myself and I was really embracing the love that I had from myself Mm -hmm. I had created opportunities where I could meet more people and fully embrace them in like a loving way when that happened I like that that part of me that was like hey like we could easily go back to these casual relationships Mm -hmm. it was like hey like if you wanted to push those relationships that you've created with these peoples in that direction, it's going to happen. And I knew that it wasn't the best thing for like the friendships that I created with some of those people. And it wasn't the best thing for either themselves or myself. Um, And I was able to go, no, this isn't my highest projection of myself or this person. And this is not what I want for myself or for this person because there's nothing long-term or nothing that I can see growing from here. Mm. And then as I continued in my journey and my progress and my growth, I had people slide into my DMs and basically without getting into Sirens. specifics or anything Sirens. like people that. People test your, yeah. like your uh, spiritual yeah. journey. Test. It was the universe testing me through these people where basically they're like, hey... Uh, how have you Josh, been? I'm thirsty um, for you. Yes. Let's catch up. Why don't you come over to my place? Uh, and like these are messages that are coming in like fairly late at night. And what? yeah, I had had entanglements with previously. Some of them I had interacted with before, but never nothing had ever come from it. Okay. Um, However, I knew enough about myself at that point and I knew enough about them that it would never 
go further than that. And apart from it being like a fun time, yeah. it was never going to be anything more. And how do you think the timing worked? What like why were they reaching out now? For what purpose? Do you think people can feel you growing and elevating yourself and Pe- want to kind of like come along on the ride? Do you think you just became more of what people wanted? Do you think people saw your strength and your masculinity and were like, wow, yeah. there's much more possibility of him being a loving partner now? When people glow brighter, like when people like flee him. No, I, you're, yeah. I, I literally someone said this to me in yeah. the past. That's why I'm laughing. Because when, when they did it, yeah. I was like, ugh, but I get it. When they grow brighter, when they fully embrace who they are, they almost become like a beacon that attracts other people to them because other people... So the, the more that you grow, the more that like people come, become attracted to you mm. and the messages that you provide, especially if you're congruent or, in their mind, congruent with what you're saying. Which is interesting then that like the dark femme comes in and the seductress comes. Yes, and she wants to take me back to where I was, like those... Well, and unconsciously, like yeah. the healthy sides of her just want, want to magnetize a loving partner. Yeah. And like there's magic there for sure. And there's a beautiful element of dark femme. Like, I play with my dark femme a lot. She's my favorite. Um, and I can see where it gets out of alignment. Like, even the way I talk, like, I'll, I'll feel it get into that energy, and then I'll be like, okay, that's the line. Like, after that would, would be leaky energy. It would be unhealthy. It would be, it would be unloving. Like, and I know where that is and can just snap it up straight away and yeah. just be like, that's seductress. That's different than the magnetism and the fun and the play. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, these were people who were that had very leaky sexual energy. That um, I could tell they wanted a genuine connection. However, I could tell that like it was not something that we would be able to create if we were to have like a casual thing. And it most certainly wasn't something that we would be able to create, given where we were in our lives yeah, at that point it. in time. You can have like genuine friendships with people like that. However, it's very very difficult to actually grow and create a loving relationship like a mm. loving intimate relationship when you are that far apart yeah i dance with that question often of like for how long do we wait for someone to join us on the journey and like karina and i were speaking in our episode it's like you there has to be a, a willingness and a continual evidence of their growth Because I think life, like I'm making this gesture with my hand of like, you level up continually and you take turns who leads and get like, I'm not going to spend my whole life leading and nor do I want my partner to spend their whole life leading in the ways of like continual growth and expansion. And yet if you constantly feel there's this massive disparity in a way that you can't relate because your lives are so different. Yeah. Well, does that, does that allow true connection and love? It it can't. If you think about, you know, the planet, the gravitational forces between planets if or planets and their moons if the moon goes too far away from its planet the gravitational forces between them they get so weak that the moon just kind of drifts away and never comes back so if there's too great of a distance between you and that person it doesn't matter like how much you try to pull them up it's not going to it's not going to work as well as if someone is closer to them yeah because I'm still figuring this out for myself because like I can see where some of my ex-partners, we took turns. Like my ex-husband in a lot of ways led me for a lot of life because I was so afraid of myself. Yeah. And then when that shifted and I was leading in those ways, he couldn't handle it. He just was like, wow. And my ex-boyfriend, I could see where I used that power play to lead and it made me feel safe. It was a dominance t- tactic. 
you're going to evolve endlessly. You can't, you're not going to stay on the same plane, the same perspectives, the same levels, the same values at all times. You're just not. And how far can that distance grow before you're just connected? I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. And like, is true love waiting or is true love going, hey, I need to keep going. I love you so much. You keep doing your journey. I'm going to keep doing mine. I, I'm still playing with that. I think that's most likely the uniqueness of the human experience yeah. is that there is really no no correct answer like oh, there's fuck. almost there's almost certainly someone whose maturity like i guess we're going to use this age analogy uh, as imperfect as it is there's going to be someone who's like a 17 year old and someone who's a 35 year old mentally and that 35 year old mentality is able to slingshot that 17 year old mentality mm. into their 40s and then they grow from there yeah. however it, i love to use the metaphor of like it's like you're scaling the side of a building <clears throat> yeah and it's like you pull you get up to the next ledge you pull them up then they get up to the next ledge they pull you up yeah so sport climbing yeah yeah uh, it's just a question of like how much rope do you need i guess or are you able to carry because i think some people this might be where it, our analogy gets a little bit better is that some people can only carry so much rope mm. and so i can only lower down so much rope to help bring people up. I love this metaphor. And then that person can only go so much higher than me because they only have a certain amount of rope that they can lower down. And what if it's a choice of how much rope you choose to carry, right? Because like I know with rope climbing, the further you get, doesn't it feel heavier relatively? The further apart you are, it feels heavier to pull them up. Yes. So I'm like, there's only so much weight I want to pull and then I'm going to snap, right? And I can see that and I can see the way that my ex-husband and I danced with just enough rope numerous times. And yeah, I love that. I think that's a great metaphor because I, you get to choose. Like actually could keep pulling you up, but I choose not to because it's so heavy and it's slowing me down and I love myself too much to not keep growing and expanding and climbing to the next level. Like it's actually, and you're now just hanging like dead weight, expecting me to pull you and that actually isn't building your strength. You're actually not growing you're just coming along for a free ride and that's enabling you. And I love you too much to let you do that. Grab the yeah. wall, use your own strength, yeah. see and, at the top. And re in reality, you're not really helping them climb that wall. In reality, you're just climbing it and letting more rope pull out as you're climbing yeah. up. So you're actually adding more and more Distance. the higher you go. Oof, I like that one. And they think that because you've made so much progress that, and they that they're actually attached to you, They've made progress, but you've actually just climbed and they've stayed exactly where they are. When it comes to interactions with yourself, interactions with other people, uh, growth opportunities, learning new hobbies, taking on new challenges at work, choose love always. Don't choose it because you want to prove something to yourself that you are, like, you are worthy because you think you're terrible or something like that. Say, I love myself and I want to improve myself and go from there because one of the things that kind of caused me to stall before I had done all this work that I have done now is when I was going to the gym and I was just hammering myself like four or five days a week and I was just going and going and going and going and I was like getting better and better and better and better and better and I started to actually, my body started matching the image I had of myself in my head that self-hatred that was driving me to go to the gym, that self-hatred disappeared. Mm. And I had nothing to replace it with because I'd been driven by self-hatred and not self-love. And I hadn't learned how to love myself yet. And so once the self-hatred disappeared and I hadn't 
learned to go to the gym because I loved myself and I wanted to improve myself, I stopped going to the gym. And I wouldn't go to the gym for like a couple of months. Like, you know, I'd get out of shape a little bit and then I'd start hitting the gym again with my self-hatred. It's just like, can't push that weight. Like, you know, you can do better than this. Like, you're this and you're that. And it's like, you can use it as a starting point. However, you have to learn how to self-love while you are doing these things because self-hatred doesn't last forever. Mm. And if you get to a point where you don't hate yourself and you haven't replaced it with love, then you're just going to fall back through the clouds again until such a time as hatred picks you back up. And then you are just going to yo-yo yourself for the rest of your life. That's a cool way of looking at that. So thank you so much for sharing. I would love to talk a little bit about what you and I are creating and like how that actually maps into like what I love is that this is so real for both of you and I. And when I had this idea, I like to use this term because it's awful. Like when I had this brain child, <laughs> I reached out to you and another friend and you were right away like, heck yes. And it feels so authentic because you and I are both at the point of like, we've done so much work to grow ourselves. We're creating a life that we love. And we're like, you know what? I actually am so excited to share this with someone. And that might be in a partnership that I learn and grow with and then that evolves out of, or it might be the person I spend my entire life with. And how do we help people find more like-minded people, connect in community, build connections that are authentic, that are of integrity, that are about growth, that are about authenticity, that are about showing up as all of you, that are, aren't about like alcohol and sex and drug induced behaviors that are about like genuine love whether that is a friendship or something else. So I love that that's what we're both living and then we've started to create something to support other people to access that. So yeah. so basically to summarize what Veronica was saying is we asked ourselves, how do we create purposeful connections? And I used to actually really hate the idea of like creating a tribe or a community because it sounded very culty to me. Well, I'm always careful with the word tribe too. Yes. Yeah. So... What we're doing is we're creating a community event which is just going to happen once a month at the moment and people can come and we are going to have activities where we encourage people to connect with strangers and be vulnerable in a safe, open place and embrace like fun mm. and play and hopefully grow and yeah, I think that's very much how I see it too, is like we want to create events that just introduce people to community. And one of the things that we both know as coaches is a lot of what you learn is learned through modeling. So we want to show what we're learning to do by just being it, showing up, caring and loving for each other, modeling what a beautiful, safe friendship looks like, and doing activities that allow people to see what safe, loving relationships feel like. And ultimately our hope is that people can find more loving connections there and build new relationship possibilities in. So I'm super excited for that because we're gonna start monthly and it's like super low pressure. come play, do some connection activities, have some fun games. We'll have a bit of a picnic or some sort of food element each time as well. And then our hope, do you wanna to speak to what we see it evolving into and like what you see is possible with that? Absolutely. Our hope is that once we start building this community, we're able to expand the events, expand the complexity of some of the activities that we do. And we hope to run them more often than a monthly once they really start taking off. Like the yeah. idea for me is it's this web of connections where people can 
have a like-minded community. We can start a group message. We can have a space where people come and go, I want to go do more stuff in the world and I don't want to do it with my old friends because they don't, they don't move in the world like I do now and I feel kind of isolated and I want more people who let me be me and I feel like this is the people that I can be that with. I can't wait Absolutely. to see. Uh, I'm yeah. so excited about what's possible there. And, and so when's our very first event happening? April 23rd. Yes. 10.30 a.m. 10.30 a.m. 10.30 a.m. What's up? So keep an eye on our socials too because we're going to tease out what that actually looks like so you get a clearer and clearer picture of it as it grows. Um, We'll always share what's coming up, what's going on. The first event's free. Yes. So we just want you to come along. um, Bring The commitment is that you bring your time and energy and you show up fully as you. And from there, the investment, we'll see what that looks like based on what people want and what we want to create and what we feel like has people show up with intention and actually going all in. Grab a ticket, share it with your friends, share it on social media. So yeah, share with your friends. Um, and then also share about you, Josh, where people can find you, what you're up to and outside of Purposeful Connections and outside of this podcast. Like, How do people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Josh Stain Coaching. So that's Stain with two E's, not E-I. I'm a Stain, not a Stein. Uh, and at the moment, all I'm doing is I'm just pursuing my coaching and my chiropractic career as well as just having fun playing in my masculine yeah cool um thanks so much for listening guys thank you for being who you are thanks for showing up as all of you if anything in this podcast resonated with you follow josh and i on social media um like share and leave a review for the podcast i'd love your feedback it helps me know what you like what's connecting how i can keep being authentic to me and showing up for you so thanks for showing up and thanks for showing in up here and having a lovely evening with me and being all of you with the pod. Yeah. Thank you for being here. It's all I know how to do. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode. If it resonated with you, like it, share it with a friend or share it on your socials. And you can find me on my socials at Veronica Jane underscore on Instagram or at Veronica Jane on Facebook. I look forward to connecting with you further.